In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. You know, it's it never ceases to amaze me the way in which psychedelics and entheogens have this ability to reach across borders, to connect people. And today we got a great guest from you, for you, a great show. Nikola Straka coming from Belgrade, Serbia, a freelance writer, SEO, and copyright specialist. He's a content creator with a focus on psychedelics and entheogens. He's well-versed in the nuance of this unique niche and has created a large swath of educational, entertaining, and exotic blog posts, articles, and website content. In addition to his passion for psychedelics and mushrooms, he's also familiar with graphic design, cannabis, and PEDs. Nicola, I want to say congratulations, man, on taking the reins after writing SEO and doing so much for so many other people. You uh, started writing for your own brand, man. So first off, congratulations. Thanks for being here. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, George, for having me on your podcast. It's truly a privilege to be a part of True Life Podcast. Um, I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's amazing how your life can unfold when you begin to stand up with the courage it takes to be yourself. And I'm stoked for you, bro. Like I, I know that you've been writing for all these people. And I know that you've been putting your heart into soul into making so many people's projects better. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know what? What am I doing this for everybody for? What am I doing for myself, man? What? Maybe you could talk about, a little bit about your background and how you made that move. Uh, well, I started with internet marketing about five years ago. Um, it was some something like building affiliate websites. And that's where I basically gathered all the knowledge and I started um, working with other people and my current clients, let's say about year and a half, for, for example, uh, uh, I just figured out that, that I could put this knowledge in good space, like a psychedelic space, which is really my passion. And that's where I truly excel. Yeah. What do you think it is about the psychedelic space that kind of captured your heart, that kind of drew you to it? Man, was it a personal experience? Was it a transformation you saw happening? Or like, what do you think is that relationship there? It's definitely, definitely a personal experience. Yeah. And multiple experiences, I must say. Um, basically, every time I did psychedelics, I had really, really breakthrough experience that affected my life in incredible way. And that's when that was the moment when I fell in love with it. It's such a good way to put it. I think that a lot of people, they you know, they use words like transformational or they use words like I had an epiphany. But I think to say that I fell in love with it is a great way to describe it. Maybe you can share one of those experiences, man. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my first psychedelic experience with mushrooms wasn't actually that profound. 
I I was really young and dumb and I don't know what was I expecting, but from that point on, um, it just got better. First time I really um, felt the change was after my second psychedelic experience. I was I was still young. I was maybe 19, but it pushed me to go finish college and to change my life. You know, I was working some crappy jobs and I just didn't like it. I didn't see a way how I can change those kind of things. And it, it served, I can say like a guidance for my future. Yeah. Yeah. By integrating the experience. I, but at that point, I didn't even know what was integration exactly, but I somehow did it myself. And now when I'm, much more aware about stuff that are going on this the it just flows even better yeah i i agree 100 it on some level it gives you this insight into who you are and what you're doing and you get this little voice in your head or maybe you see signs out of the corner of your eye like these little guideposts or signs like hey, i don't know if yeah. that's right or sometimes it's just this intuition like you get this feeling like man, I got to make a change over here. I, I don't like that. Or sometimes you get to see things in other people that help you become a better version of yourself. It's fascinating to me. And so you, so you were working with SEO, maybe you, for some people who may not know what SEO is or, you know, how people get noticed on the internet. Maybe you can, before we get into how you're doing things, maybe you can tell people okay. what it is that you do and why it's important. So basically SEO is search engine optimization. Uh, without it, your website will probably be unseen on the internet since there is billions of websites online and optimizing websites is just necessity today. And I figured out how, how it works while I was working on my affiliate sites and that made me push it even harder. Yeah. What are, so some of the techniques you use for SEO is like, do you go into like a Google analytics or do you start using a keyword search or is there like a formula that you use? Uh, not necessarily, but it's basically keywords are important really. Um, right. Monitoring Google analytics and Google search console tool is a must for mm. white hat SEO. There multiple kinds of SEO. I will just uh, divide them into two separate groups. It's black hat and white hat. Black hat is something what Google doesn't want. And it's punishable if if they caught you doing and they did caught me multiple times. It's like rinse and repeat process. But white hat SEO takes longer time, but it's more uh, sustainable in the long run. Right. And that's that's what I'm using now for my clients because nobody wants to get shut down after a year of, of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. What it what do you think it matters if if you I'm sure you would never do what I'm about to say because you're all you're white hat. But however, if someone were a black hat and they were using SEO and they had their own server, would Google still be able to shut them down? Uh probably. Probably. <laughs> I really, I really can't tell, but <laughs> probably. Um, I mean, I use, I still use some black hat SEO techniques today, but for my personal uses, I don't right. want to put other people in danger of getting shut down. Absolutely, so it's good. It's good to know um, everything because it's detrimental that you can separate what's good and what's not good, what should be done and what shouldn't. You know, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, when we talk about black hat or white hat and SEO and Google, you can kind of see it in the psychedelic space. Like on some levels, like if we use cannabis, like let's just say we use cannabis and in the United States, we have, um, you know, it's, it's kind of becoming legalized in some places. So you have some big people that are using cannabis, but you still have like MS 13 and you got your guys on the street teams that are out pushing on the corners and stuff. Guys on the corners, dude, they got their own system and they can sell lots of product. The guys that are, you know, 
sort of in the camp of pharmaceuticals have their own methods, but it's the same thing. It's just different methods, you know? So it's interesting to see how different black hat, white hat emerges, not only in internet, not only in cannabis, but in psychedelics and probably throughout the world, right? There's above board and below board, but both of them kind of merge a little bit. And it's that area in the middle that seems to be pretty lucrative. Kind of interesting to think about, right? Yeah, definitely. It's some kind of a gray area. That's with SEO. There is a gray cat also, but I didn't mention it. Right. Um, that's combination of white cat and black cat techniques, but black cat techniques that are less risky. Um, yeah, but in, interesting comparison, nevertheless. Yeah, it's. I, I think it goes through life. Like we all know people who who just say this is right and this is wrong, but then there's people that operate in those margins, and those people seem to be people that can navigate really good relationships and they can navigate solutions to problems that other people can't see. So I think it speaks volumes of your character when we begin talking about the way in which we use strategies in life. And I'm stoked you shared that with me. It's a cool way to look at life. And, and I agree. <clears throat> I was looking through some of your posts too. And I was, I, I, I like the way, as, as I was just saying, I, I admire the strategy. And one of the things that I saw in one of your posts was your ability to kind of pinpoint three different markets in the world of psychedelics and entheogens and one is therapy and clinics therapy clinics and retreats yeah. two is education and training and three is product manufacturers that's pretty astute breakdown right there my friend like how is that just something you saw or is that something you're working with or, or how are you aware to break down those three categories like that well to be honest there's a lot more categories at least in my opinion but i okay. couldn't place them all in that one infographic. Right. So I did the three biggest ones and they're basically, at least, at least in my opinion, I mean, maybe somebody will disagree. I'm always up for debate Love constructively, it. of course. You know, so I, I'm thinking those are probably, do you think that those, those three particular categories are the three with the most money behind them right now? Yeah, that's that's why I choose them. They're literally the three main categories. And what would you say? I So I've noticed a few specializations coming in. I'm beginning to see representatives of like, there's obviously like a, the Sisters in Psychedelics, which is like seems to be, it encompasses all three of those, but specifically for women. I recently spoke with a guy who is focusing on men who are having a problem with like masculinity and are maybe having some, some big things happen in their life, but the way he talks, the way he uses psychedelics is specifically for men. Those are a couple different avenues I've been noticing that are kind of branching off. What are some new areas that you have noticed that are branching off? Yeah, I saw that similarly, um, that there are psychedelics for, for, women, for women and psychedelics for men in some cases. And it was interesting because I think that psychedelics are for everyone, but maybe yeah. the integration process or something that the intention of using can be maybe divided to those two genders, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. In some ways, it seems to me to be like this archaic revival, you know, and I, and I hope so on some yeah. level where, you know, maybe there can be, I'm up for all of it. Like I'm up for optimization. I'm up for group therapy. I'm up for the individual. As long as it's constructive for the person and they're finding ways to conquer their problems, I'm all for it. You know, and I, I'm hopeful that we see some sort of return to rituals or some sort of return to, you know, yeah. the, the ritualistic view of it. What What's it like for you? Are, are you in Serbia right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently in Serbia. Do you think that there's a difference between psychedelics in different countries? And if so, what do you think? Definitely, definitely. Um, as I spoke with my friends in South America, it's much less stigmatized there. For example, in Serbia, when you talk about psychedelics, they will look at you like you're doing heroin or some, or crack or something. They'll think you're nuts. But it's just the mentality of the people, you know. Right. And when I see that a lot of countries are legalizing it, decriminalizing it. It just makes me wonder, is this the right place where I should be? There is a relatively low 
percentage of like-minded people in Serbia? Maybe, I think, you know, being, sometimes being, um, I had a friend that say, never, he said, never be the first in line for anything, you know, but at the same time, I think that there's something to be said about people that lead or are thought leaders in the area. You know, maybe you and a handful of people where you're at are the seeds that are being planted for the next generation. You know, and if you've seen the positive change that it has on you, then clearly you understand the positive change you can have on your community. Yeah, definitely. I didn't see it only in myself. I saw it in other people as well. And that's, that's why I know for a fact that it works and it can help people. Yeah, it's it seems interesting over here. I sometimes I I often think that different countries or different regions of the world have their own personality, and it seems to me that in the United States we kind of have like this bipolar personality. We're like one time we're we're a little bit like this, and then we're way over here like this. You know, we have like this incredible divide sometimes like that. And yeah. I when I think about psychedelics, I see it healing that divide the same way it heals the individual's issues. I, I really see it beginning to bring together these two communities, these, these sort of the divisive nature of the internal structure of the United States by, and I'll give you an example. An example would be like the pharmaceutical industry and, and the, the um, holistic industry in the United States. They seem to be at odds about addiction. And it seems to me that psychedelics are beginning to heal that that divide in the community, the same way it heals addiction. And I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on that. And maybe you could add to that by saying, what do you think that psychedelics could heal in your part of the world? Yeah, I agree on you totally, especially on the, on the pharmaceutical industry. Right. Uh, I think that's the biggest issue in many countries because it's right. they're kings of their business. They're involved in a lot of, product manufacturers and and the industry is just multi-billion industry yeah and to simply pick something up from the ground that can heal you and can help you is just insane and i believe that that's the biggest beef in in some countries why it's still criminalized yeah yeah it's 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 criminal to the pharmaceutical industry that you can pick up something off the ground and make money with it. Like that's criminal to them. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and if they can push some medicine on you instead yeah. of you being able to heal yourself naturally, that's not in their interest. Yeah. Just realistically, they are looking how to make banks and not how you will get better. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's a saying where I grew up with all the kids on the streets, they would be like, Hey, the first one's free. You know, if you were going to slang something, the first one's always free, man. That's how good this is. Hey, take this for free. You'll be back. You know, and it yeah. seems that that sort of model is the same model that the pharmaceutical industry uses, whether it's Suboxone or whether it's Prozac or whether it's Viagra, whatever drugs those guys are slanging, it's the same style. It's the same setup as, hey, the first one's free. Let me give you these first ones because I know you'll be back. And in, my, yeah. in this weird fantasy that I have, Nicola, it's like, on some level, I wonder who's the biggest gangsters. Is it MS-13, which is like, you know, they run out of South America. They, they pretty much run. I, in my opinion, I think that they have probably the best supply chain as far as narcotics from South America all the way up. I'll probably get heat for that. I'm sure there's someone going to blow me up. Be like, nah, MS-13 is lame. But MS-13 probably has the best setup. But are they yeah. bigger, badder, and stronger than Pfizer? And I think that they might be. What, what do you think about criminal versus the structured criminal which which gang do you think is better i don't know i think structured criminal is better because they're <laughs> operating in illegal ways you know and they're right. not having issues with government and fbi and everything and i mean the criminal organizations are just you know always keeping their their eyes open and and seeing how they can do certain kind of things which necessarily doesn't have to be good. And the main issue with criminal organization is lack of control. For example, if you buy product that's psilocybin from them, who can tell if that's laced or not, or if it's 
if you're if it's legit right but when you buy from a company like pfizer for example you know with ransom tests they ran some tests on it you know you will get pure product so in that extent maybe i'm going with this legal criminal way it's a crazy question man but I, i'm always i just yeah. It's just stuff that goes on in my mind. I always want to ask people. So thanks for thanks for indulging me in that one. I I think it's fascinating to think about the, the space that we're in. You know, yeah. when I think about the world of um, psychedelics moving forward, I'm fascinated to think about where we came from five years ago, where we are now, how early we still are. What what do you see if you were to look into your crystal ball? And, and I know that no one can tell the future, but do you think that we continue to move at this pace of decriminalization and legalization? You continue to see it moving forward at this pace for the next five or 10 years? Yeah, definitely. The industry is just growing bigger and bigger every year. And I mean, you can see the change now while it's legalized to some, some extent, for example, in Canada or right. California, you know, they're opening shops and legalizing clinics that are using ketamine or psilocybin now because it's legal now, um, which is, in my opinion, good. And I believe that when people get educated in the next couple of years, it will just boom. Right. That's so you got some, my yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, you got some friends in, in South America and when you look at the way in which they have, they have their clinics down there in a certain way, be it a ceremonial yeah. setting. Right. And then we have these clinics up here on the, in North America, on the other side of America. Do you think that there's a right way and a wrong way is one better than the other? Or are they just different dialects? I think they're different dialects. Um, when I take a look at retreats in, in South America, they are more traditional. You know, they are using techniques that were that are present for ages on that continent. You know, and then in, in North America, it's more I don't know. It's more um, based on on things that we already have, like cognitive behavior or therapy, and just enhancing it with psychedelics it it in my opinion it doesn't have the traditional value as compared with um, retreats in south america if, if if we can say that the south south america and north america have different dialects what would a european dialect look like i really can't tell i'm not not um I work with some some guys right. in Netherlands, and that's pretty much it for for Europe. Since right. it's pretty much stigmatized in Europe still mm. to this day, um, some countries like Netherlands, for example, right. are having their products. But it's I know for a fact that when in Netherlands they are selling, for example, uh, truffles with right. psilocybin which is a loophole because you can't have mushroom, but you can have a truffle, you know, and if it's just a loophole, I don't see, I don't see it um, moving on progressively. And in the last couple of years, it's been the same. Yeah. At least from my point of view, maybe somebody who is observing those things better can give a more competitive argument on this topic. It's interesting. I remember I had gone to Amsterdam, man, this was a long dating myself, probably 20 plus years ago. And I remember going to like the red light district and go to these coffee shops and stuff like that. And be like, I can't believe I can just go to this vending machine and get a joint out of here. You know, it was, yeah. it was so mesmerizing to me, but I, I never thought to think, does that even make sense? I never thought to think. I never thought about the idea of there being clinics at that time or being used for therapy. For me, it was just recreation to go there. Yeah. It's interesting to see that. I'm sure that there probably was on some level people using it in medicinal ways. It's so, and sometimes I think, uh, sometimes I think Nicola, like 
it's really therapy and trauma based right now in the United States. Like I've even heard terms like, yeah. like, like trauma delics. Like, do you think that that is something that is going to blossom out of the idea of therapy or is it going to stay? Is this always going to be a part of it or is it too much on therapy? What, what's your thoughts on that? I don't think it's too much on therapy. I think it's okay. a great way to integrate the benefits of psychedelics and okay. the correct way because I don't know. I mean, I'm not advocating recreational use, right. uh, definitely, but in in clinics and people in therapies like that, it's more, I don't know, more controlled. If the clinician is trained and he knows what, or they know what they're doing, mm -hmm. uh, they will probably deliver better results than you taking psychedelics in your home and hoping for the best. So this brings up a really good point that I think you can speak to. When we talk about someone there to help you integrate, you know, they they can help you figure things out. And much like you can help out a website by using some keywords, it's almost like you're programming behavior into that website. And as someone, as an SEO expert like you, you know the right words to use to get things noticed. It's the same way a therapist, a therapist would point out keywords to someone going through this integration process, right? It's pretty, pretty similar yeah. right there. Really good comparison. It's, I never thought about it in that manner, truth be told, but it's, it makes sense perfectly. Yeah. Like you, okay. I'm you're in this, if you're going to do some SEO optimization for psychedelics, not only are you looking to put keywords into that site, but you're thinking like three steps ahead. I'm going to put this word in this site. So the person that reads this will think about this other article. And then I want it to link back to that. It's the same yeah. way you rope, you reprogram someone's mind. Hey, this person has a negative thought loop. So I'm going to give them this particular key word that will unlock that door so that they can walk through it like that. It, it may be, I bet if we did a study, People that understand SEO and website programming would be great facilitators, man. It, like maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Like, what are some what are some other similarities in that avenue? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I never thought in that direction, to be honest with you. And I will have to uh, think that thoroughly. But it it makes sense to some extent. But I would leave. I would leave that to trained clinicians and medical professionals instead of searching for hope in web developers or SEO experts. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that I'm gonna have to hook you up with some people that are, uh, that have been in that industry because I, I think you may not be a professional facilitator, but I think a long conversation about what you do would be helpful to people who are going to become integration specialists. In fact, you know, if you look at some of these schools like CIIS, I think that you would be, you know, you could be an integral part of a new sort of therapy. And, and that's another thing that I think about when I, when I start looking at the different retreats and God bless them all, I'm super stoked that people are doing it. I think that it is kind of becoming, um, there's an industry standard that's beginning to happen. And it's like you go down for a retreat, you can sign up for a three-day or a five-day. The yeah. first day you do a light dose, the second day you do a big dose, then we offer you an integration. And on the way out, we give you a large Diet Coke. You know what I mean? So it's like you get this, you have this system set up. And so what I would like people to begin doing is collaborating with people that may not have the background. Because I think someone who understands keywords, I think people that are in the world of applied linguistics, but I think all of this language, all whether it's digital language or programming, I think that these play a key part in beginning to understand behavior, which brings me to my next question for you. What are your thoughts on behavior in your life and behavior like before psychedelics and behavior after psychedelics? I know it's kind of a big question, but I'll just throw it out and you can respond any way you want. Hmm. Good question. Um, well, I personally, um, saw a great increase in motivation, at least for me to, to finish some great aspects of my life, for example, college, or I don't know, starting to work on, on SEO and psychedelics for, for other people, helping them. That's, 
that's also what I discovered after one of my experiences that I don't want to keep this knowledge to myself. I want to help people and especially in this industry, which I think it's a good industry because it's relatively new and I really believe that it has great potential to grow in, in the future. And because of my love for the psychedelics, that's the main reason why I want to help people who are doing their work with psychedelics or around them. It's, I, I love the idea of becoming motivated by seeing it, but like, what was it though? Like, when, like, what was it that made you motivated? Was it like a, were you looking at your life? Was it like searching for something? And then, you know what? I should do this because it will help me. Or maybe you can unpack what, what it was that motivated you. To, uh, to do psychedelics like, or what? Well, so a after, after the, after having the psychedelic okay. experience, like what, how do you unpack that motivation? That was it that you saw yourself in like a third person point of view? Was it that you had this weird time dilation and you're like, man, if I just stay down this path, I'm going to be this guy. If I take this path, I'll be this guy. Or maybe that, it wasn't anything like that. Or that was, was exactly, exactly like that. If I stay on my path, I will, I just saw where it would lead. And I knew that I need to change that. I didn't figure out at that very moment where in which aspects of my life, the change should be made. But after some time, I don't know, I would give a rough estimate, 15, 30 days, I don't know. I just figure out, hmm, this might seem like a good idea. And I tried it. I went down this road and here I am now. Okay, see that, I wanted you to, I wanted to get that out on the podcast and I wanted to hear your exact description of it because I think that that motivation and the way you described it I think that there's a young George or a young Nicola out there that hears that boom right there. Hey, I saw myself on that path. And when it comes from, when, when the sound comes from your lips and it goes to the ears of a younger version of us, now they have something to grab onto. Now, if they have a psychedelic experience, now they have something to see. They have a key word, a key person, and they can identify you. They can identify me. And now that experience to them, you know what I mean? It's almost contagious in a way when we begin to share experiences like that. And I, it's true. I, yeah. I've spoken to lots of people who saw themselves and just think about the, think about that language. Like I saw myself on this path. When you say something like that, you're referring to yourself in the third person. And like, that's what psychedelics yeah. do in a lot of ways. They allow you to see yourself in a way that you never have before. And that's good. And it's bad because you can see Oh, look at all these things I can be. But you can also be like, holy crap, I was a total dirtbag over here, George. You know, yeah. there's been plenty of times where I've seen that. That's just, It's just a real, authentic, down and dirty power of psychedelics is that you can really see that. And it's. I think it's available to everybody, right? Yeah. I think that um, the main benefit of taking psychedelics is that ego is something that blocks us in a certain way right. and their ability to to dissolute that ego and to give you a wider picture is really important in terms of not only um, changing your future but it can also affect mental health and everything else you know just that very moment where you are not blocked by your ego is really something new and something that can, I won't say put a lot of pressure, but put some kind of directions towards your future itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's well said. It's like, it's like, uh, ego, no ego, ego, Definitely. no ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you see totally different picture with and without ego. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, there's a great book, um, this is a two volume set for anybody watching. It's called Ayahuasca Awakenings. It's by Dr. Jessica Rochester. And I had this long, I've been having, doing this series of, of, of work with her where she comes on the podcast. And I, I honestly feel like I'm just talking to a master of behavior and a master of spirituality. It's mind blowing. And one of the things she had told me during our last conversation was that George, she goes, George, I want you to think about your instincts. And I'm like, okay. And we're having this conversation about instincts and how, you know, 
your instincts are something you're aware of. Like sometimes you'll be having a conversation and you just have this awareness about somebody. And she's explaining that to me. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I've gotten that before. Like, oh, I think that this, I think this girl may have a crush on me, or I think I may have a crush on this girl, you know, but there's these, these, these feelings, these instincts that you get, that you can act on. And so she goes, now I want you to think about how those instincts are. They don't, you don't think about them all the time. They just, you just feel them. You intuit, yeah. they're intuitive. She goes, some people say that we are on a path where our mind and our ego will soon become like our instincts. It won't be at the top of your mind. Like you won't be constantly thinking about things all day, but your mind will be like your instincts. Yeah. And the next layer is this non-ego layer, or maybe a better way to say it is like your ego integration. And when, when people talk about this ego death, when they talk about the dissolution of the ego, what they're really seeing is glimpses of the future of how we're going to be. And maybe that this is this awakening where we, we're getting to a point where we, we've integrated our ego. We no longer need it to be like this incredible, you know, protective troubleshooter that's constantly looking for problems. Like now we're moving it down to the level of the instinct. And now we're becoming available to act and be in the now where we just live in this, this time where we're like, it, it's, it's much more aware of what's going on instead of worrying about awareness but that's a pretty amazing concept to think about right yeah definitely i'm i really appreciate things you're saying they're really unique and i never thought about some stuff that way that's why i love meeting new people and talking to them you can learn a lot yeah that and and right back at you because i wouldn't even have these thoughts unless i was sitting here talking to you so it's this it's this inner connection that you yeah. me and people have like we're just bouncing ideas off each other and learning in the midst of it and what what a classroom this can be what an opportunity it is yeah. if you're willing if you're willing to have the courage to face the fear to do new things to speak to new people in new countries and maybe try psychedelics a little bit if it's right for you you know if it's your yeah. time it's fascinating Definitely. Definitely. I agree 100% with you on this. I mean, this interconnections you make with people and new stuff you can hear, especially in, I will say now generalize it with psychedelics, but if you talk with some people who are, for example, in South America in retreats and they give you some guides and how are they doing stuff, how are they preparing, you may want to consider trying something like that before your journey and the journey may be different and in a way when compared to your traditional settings how you how you are used to consume psychedelics yeah that's really well said I, I i couldn't agree more it's a great way to begin to understand who we are in this world and it's it's exciting you know i, I i'm really excited for the future of human connection for the future of human awareness and for the future of human understanding it's it's fascinating to think about the way we move together the same way like mycelium grows together, right? Like all yeah. of a sudden you're making these same connections. And man, I, it's so damn mind-blowing me to think. You know, let me ask you this. So, so you're also familiar with cannabis and PEDs are like performance-enhancing yeah. drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, uh, what kind I mean, of those are you familiar with? Well, I've, I finished college for personal trainer. Oh, nice. um, and I've been working in that field for uh, nine years, less, seven years, I think. I started when I was 19, finished the course, and then after the course, I decided to go to college after my experience, obviously. Um, and from that standpoint, when you're always in the gym and always hearing stuff about PEDs and, and yeah. that and that niche, so to say, um, you know, you learn a lot. You know? I mean, I never used steroids or anything like that. It's just not me, but I know a lot about it. And I know a lot of people who do use. And um, I really like learning new things and how they affect our bodies. You know, for example, yeah. psychedelics affect our brain, but PDs affect your body in a way by stimulating your hormones and bingo you know and that's just it's like a physical world of world of world yeah. of psychedelics you know psychedelics are for mind pds are for body and 
I don't necessarily enjoy working with PDs, to be honest with you, but I have a couple of clients who were, I mean, selling steroids and having websites about bodybuilding and stuff like that since I was really stoked on bodybuilding for a while. Yeah. Yeah, but for for cannabis industry, I see it, I can say on a similar level as with psychedelics, since there are there are also mm, therapeutic benefits of cannabis, especially at higher doses, which people don't necessarily know. But I don't know. I think it's a good start because in most countries, when you take a look at the global scale, cannabis will be legalized first, and the next step is obviously psychedelics. So yeah. I think they're a precursor to psychedelics in a way, in a way, if we look at businesses and right. industries. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I'm a big fan of, you know, they call it like layering and I'm, start, I'm starting to see this more and more in the retreats is like they use, they call it layering. So you, maybe one day you do mushrooms, the next day you do ayahuasca or some people do MDMA and mushrooms at the same time. But I am trying to push this thing that here's what I've taken for me. And I, I now obviously I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. But what regimen I have been using is like a, I'm a big fan of growth hormone with mushrooms. You know, and I think if you take growth hormone maybe like two hours before you take a dose of mushrooms, I think that it synergizes there because it takes a little while for the, for the, and, and I don't take, when I talk about uh, growth hormone, I'm not injecting it. I'm taking like, um, uh, a sacrolog like MK six seventy five or something like that. I think I think is what it is. But it's it is available as like peptides now or oh, um, yeah. you know this. Boom! Thank you, thank yeah, you. Yes, SARMs are on it right now. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that is going to be. I don't know who's doing it yet. I know I know Nick Nick Murray out of Jamaica is. He's got a lot of biofeedback and he's big into optimization and he's working with athletes. I don't, I'm not going to say he's using anything like that, but I, I think that that is something people should be looking at is the combination of SARMs with psychedelics. And I don't know anybody that's doing it right now, but you know, as well as I do, Nicola, the people in the bodybuilding community, those people have zero fear of trying new things, man. Those guys are just, dude, they're jacked up. They're using the SARMs. They're, they're taking down copious notes. I'm eating a thousand grams of chicken. I'm taking these seven SARMs. I'm stacking these things. Like yeah. those guys are amazing, man. What do you, what do you think about using SARMs with psychedelics? I never heard that anyone uses it in that way, but until this moment. So this is a mind blowing information for me. And I will definitely have to explore it a little bit to see is somebody actually doing it regularly. Yeah, obviously you, but I, you're the first person that told me this. I'm really amazed. Yeah. Well, I, how, yeah. How, how did it affect you? What changes do you see compared to traditional psychedelic experiences? If you take SARM before, before your journey with mushrooms or whatever psychedelics you're using? Okay, so th there's two that I've really been using, and one is um, Rad 140, or it's like it's called tes testosterone or something like that, and it's basically a synthetic testosterone. Yeah. So sometimes I'll take that, and uh, I'll go. First off, <laughs> 20 milligrams is too much. Nobody should do 20 milligrams and then that, because it makes you retain water, and you you definitely feel the testosterone in your body, and it's good and it's bad because it it has similar side effects where you can be agitated. So if anyone's going to try the rad 140, I would, I was going with a regimen of like somewhere between 10 milligrams and 15 milligrams. And what I found that it did in combination with the, uh, mushrooms or psilocybin and the psilocybin dose that I was taking was like a light set, like a seven, like a light seven, like 7.1 grams or something like that. So I do 7.1, 7.2 and I take maybe 10, 15 milligrams of the, 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 uh, rad 140. And it really built like a, a strong foundational, almost amphetamine base. And I don't mean amphetamine in that, you know, it made me like grind my teeth or chew the inside of my mouth, but it gave me a much more integrated sort of focused energy on top of the 
on top of the um, psychedelic high. And I think that that made for better visuals. I think it made for a stronger, longer trip all the way through. I think it maybe prolonged the trip. I'd say maybe two hours. And I don't mean you're going to be peaking for two hours, but I would say it intensified the peak, maybe an extra 40 minutes. And then it, you rode it out for an, another hour and 20 minutes, you know? So it stayed longer. Um, as far as the growth hormone, I would take that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's MK670. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It doesn't, I don't think 670 is right. And, and there's another name for it. I'll put it in there, but it, 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 it is a SARM. And, um, I, I really like that one. I think that what that combination does, I take it two hours before and I know it's hitting me because I get super hungry, like two, two hours in. So about four hours in, I can just feel like, oh my God, I'm super hungry. That's, that's clearly the growth hormone kicking in. But I, I feel like with the growth hormone, it helps facilitate even stronger neuroplasticity. And what I mean by that is People who have been around the psychedelic world long enough who understand the environment of what's happening in the mind while you're taking um, mushrooms specifically, you know, you have the decrease in the default mode network. You have a sort of synesthesia where you're processing sound in the, in the visual cortex and you're probably, you know, you're probably, you know, comprehending visions in like Broca's area. So you're, you're using the different parts of the brain in order to to change. And that's why you're getting the synesthesia. But I, I think it helps the, the blood flow in there. I think it helps, yeah. you know, I, I think it helps all like the dendritic spine, you know, formation. I think it helps all of it because if you look at the research, what growth hormone does in the brain, it does similar stuff. So if you're stacking that on top of the psychedelic experience, I think you're seeing it twofold. I think it would be beautiful for people with a learning disability. I think it would be beautiful for people who are trying to optimize in sports. I think it would be optimal for anybody who finds themselves in visual practice of something before they do it, whether you're a wrestler, a boxer, a biker, you know, an artist. But I really like that combination. And I, 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 would, I would hope that there's more people that hear this and get excited about it and wanted to try it. I think something that, like, if you have friends right now, Nicola, that are in that world of bodybuilding, that are in that world of SARMs, that have yeah. those websites, I bet you you would clean house with a product that had both of those things in there. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying you should do that if it's illegal, but I am saying that yeah. if there's an avenue for that, I think that that could be a first on market that would absolutely destroy it. That's a really good point. I've, I'm still amazed by this fact. I never heard about stacking SARMs with, with psychedelics, but now after things you said, it makes perfect sense, actually. You know? Yeah. I mean, just look at the SARMs market. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, of reading like the bodybuilding communities because they are so detailed in the notes that they write. They're so detailed in their practice of like, here's my yeah. diet. Here's what I'm, I'm weighing out the chicken so you can know I'm eating exactly this much. Like they're so detailed. And a lot of those bodybuilding people, you know, people think about bodybuilders as meatheads, but they're some of the smartest people out there. And I think that has to do with the supplements they're taking. They're, they're, they're training their body and their mind at the same time. The level of discipline it takes to be a bodybuilder is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Definitely that's just out out of this world you need yeah. to be focused all the time and just i don't know you should be like this watching just the things you need to do to achieve your goals yeah that can, re that can reflect on other aspects of your life you know if you're starting a business or something like that then you need to get focused if you're disciplined in such manner it will be much easier for you to go that path yeah Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like that guy took a medical, you know, that guy was had a medical regimen of certain types of steroids. That guy's one of the smartest people out there. People make fun of that guy. That yeah. guy's on point, man. That guy's one of the most smartest, charismatic, beautiful people out there that was really focused. That you know, dude, that guy traveled the world and became leaders around the world. And still to this day, that guy's fun to listen to and interesting and he started by training his body and, and, and training his mind, man. Like that guy's a hero to me. I, I think he's awesome. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I mean, think that there, there's something there. It's similar to psychedelics. There's stigma about psychedelics and there's stigma about bodybuilders and people who are working out. 
people yeah. think exactly what you said that they're meatheads, but not necessarily. I mean, I know I know personally a lot of meatheads in the gym, right. but but not it's not like if you start working out and start taking steroids or SARS or whatever peptides, you will become a meathead. It's just not that way. Just you need to to distinguish your learning abilities with with your workouts and things like that. Just you know, people work out, focus on nutrition and everything, and still read books, educate themselves. Yeah. It's not like they are just focused on only bodybuilding and only eating chicken for 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's like calling someone who smokes cannabis a stoner. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's just the same stigma, like right there. It's it's so now that I think about it, like it's it's eerily similar. Maybe that's just human behavior. Maybe we just use these weird labels to put on people because we don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And I think that's the same exact same with psychedelics. Yep. why it's stigmatized people people are for example i'll give you a basic example of us when war on drugs happened and when nixon was ruling or being president whatever yeah. um they had that they had those anti-drug campaigns that you know weed and mushrooms and lsd will make you jump out of buildings and yeah. i don't know do horrible things and I think that that stick with people to this day, especially for people who grew up in that period of time. When you're a child and you're listening to those kind of stuff on TV or in the news, you know, it will stick. And when you grow up, you will have prejudice about, about psychedelics, obviously, because you were taught from young age that it's something bad. It will make you do horrible things, jump out of buildings, I don't know. And that's i think when that clears off a little bit in the future in the next maybe 30 40 years it will be much less stigma revolving psychedelics yeah that's really well said it's amazing how much of our life is programmed in us before the age of seven you know we're given all these yeah. cookie cutter ideas okay you can be this you can be that you can have this and it, and on some levels, I think that, you know, I've heard some interesting articles that talk about uh, psychedelics, but be um, entheogens. I think the article I read, and I, I, can't, I apologize, I can't cite the author, but it's, it's something along the lines of mushrooms, iboga, you know, a lot of these entheogens that are indigenous, that have been used in indigenous practice, they put people's mind frame back into a state of neuroplasticity that it was when they were a child. And like, that's why they're able to reprogram their mind. It's pretty fascinating, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I wrote, um, I saw a lot of articles about that kind of stuff that they're bringing back your childhood trauma. And by, by being more suggestive in that, in that state of mind, when you're under the influence, it's much more likely that you will overcome those fears and, and traumas that you experience. This is from a medical point of, of view. Yeah. It's interesting to, um, to think about the way in which mass, you know, education can happen in some ways. It makes me hopeful but a little nervous about the future of psychedelics and education. Cause on some level I could see how psychedelics could be an incredible tool for dare I say children coming of age. You know, I, I think it could be something, it could be a rite of passage. Like there's a really great book. I quoted all the time by Aldous Huxley called the Island. And in that book, these kids that are like 12, they, they climb this mountain and sit in a church with their mentor or one of the elders who's like 14 or 16. And they have this realization where they're looking out over this beautiful canyon about what life is. It's sort of like this rite of passage. And, you know, a lot of things can be taught to somebody. And one of those things is how to use your mind in a different way. And it seems that education today doesn't teach that. What education teaches today is that we're like Pavlovian dogs where you go to a room and a whistle blows and you salivate and you stand in front of an yeah. authority figure. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful that 
Well, that, that's what makes me anticipate the beauty of psychedelics and education. It doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to look back at the past and see something like Jim Jones or potentially Charles Manson that found a group yeah. of people and brought them to South America and made them drink all this crazy Kool-Aid. Like that's out there too. But you know, it's, you, you can't separate the good from the bad. It's just part of the whole. I, it's interesting. Like both those things could happen, right? Probably with equal potential. Well, it could be, it could be, but I don't know. I think if I can think that education plays a crucial role in this. I'm not necessarily advocating that kids should be taught agreed, that psychedelics agreed. are good. And I don't know, it's not for everybody. That's just how it is. But at some point later on, when you grow up a little bit, maybe in early twenties or something like that, that's maybe the point where you should get educated about psychedelics and general and in drugs generally just to see what's good what's bad and that you can distinguish good from bad yeah it's fascinating to think about what are i know that you've been writing some articles and stuff for people maybe you can talk about what's one of the latest articles that you've written oh latest article i did for my friends in in costa rica they're having a, a retreat uh we did an article about intention setting before taking a psychedelic before taking psychedelics and how that can affect how that can affect your journey and how that can affect your integration process and everything afterwards uh, i did also article about i think it was about campbell it's a psychedelic frog uh, it's five MEO DMT, I believe, and people mm. are using in indigenous cultures. And they're also, I I saw that um, it's still used to this day. Some retreats offer combo experiences and buffo as well. Mm. Oh, sorry, I mixed them up. Buffo right, is two five ones. MEO. Yeah. yeah, combo is some poison that is placed under your on your burnt skin. But it is also producing um, life-changing effects. So whatever the case, I mean, there is a lot of diversity in psychedelic world. world. Not You don't have to stick only to mushrooms or ayahuasca yeah. or anything, you know. You should check out what works for you best. Determine your settings, determine your intentions determine your needs and from that point you can see if it's iboga that you want if it's ayahuasca if it's psilocybin you know it's there is a broad spectrum of psychedelics some people people may turn to mdma or ketamine but i am personally not not uh, in the best mindset about chemical compounds so that's what i'm avoiding i mean I, I know a lot about it as well but i'm sticking to nature that's something i really enjoy and love yeah i love it too and i'm excited it seems that it seems to me we've we probably only know a small fraction of the natural psychedelics that are out there you know i've only recently heard a combo but i'm sure it's been around in South America forever, yeah, maybe not forever, yeah. but quite some time. And Great. it just seems like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about all the medicines that might be out there that we haven't, we don't even know about yet. Yeah, definitely. Especially, especially with the exploration of this indigenous tribes and people and how they are living, what they are using, you know, in order to heal, it doesn't necessarily have to be a psychedelic plant. You know, it can be some basic plant that will heal your wounds. I don't know burns and something like that it's it's just fascinating yeah it it's all it's it's a, it's equally fascinating to think about how far we've gotten from that you know and and as the further and further we have gotten away from natural medicine it seems the further and further away we've gotten from being who we are like just like if you if you yeah. look at the 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 way we've gotten away from nature and how we treat each other. Like, it seems like those two things are moving away at the same pace. And when you get back to nature, you start finding your relationship with nature and you start finding your relationship with other people. It's interesting to think about, man. It blows my mind. Yeah, definitely. 
when you come to nature and see those kind of things that you don't necessarily see in your um, city, you know, we we all basically live in urban areas. There is concrete everywhere, mm -hmm. and when you go there in the jungle in the retreat, it's just a different experience. Have you been able to? Have you been lucky enough to go down to Costa Rica or check out uh, South America down there? No, no, but I hope I will soon. Yeah, me too. I've 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 spent some time in Mexico, but I've never made it down to Central or South America. And if I close my eyes and listen closely, I'm pretty sure I can hear it calling me. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> calling you. If you have the opportunity, you should definitely do it. I yeah. Mean, there is a lot of people here in Serbia who are going to South America to in retreats, doing doing the ceremonies with the medicine and coming back I, I read I mean I don't necessarily think there is a lot of them but I I have checked out five to ten stories of different people for sure we have we have one person I don't remember his name but he's like an advocate from South America he got trained there he's doing something similar here although it's highly illegal and it's and in the shadows you know but it's still good to good to know he was featured on vice i believe in some episodes and that's just really fun to watch but yeah. i can't rem i can't remember his name i'm so bad with names <laughs> and dates and numbers that's just insane yeah maybe after your new article comes out about um SARMs and psychedelics, maybe the people will invite you down to Costa Rica because you're going to be working with your friends in the bodybuilding community. You write this new article and they'll probably want to put your, probably, maybe you could call it the Nicola Straka protocol and then they can, they can use that protocol in South America. You know what I mean? They're going yeah, to you're gonna be moving good. around. <laughs> I will definitely do an article about SARMs and psychedelics. This is just, this is just mind blowing. Yeah, well, I never thought about it, and this is just something I want to research now. As soon as we <laughs> end the podcast, I will just start researching. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you have lived experience in the bodybuilding world. You have lived experience with people that you could probably call on the phone on speed dial that know tons about bodybuilding and SARMs and supplements. And I think with what you know about psychedelics and what you know about PEDs and what your friends know who are probably experts in that field, you could probably cross-pollinate and begin to understand, okay, this is what's happening in the body with PEDs. This is what the literature about psychedelics is. It's, you know, and if, if we use these two substances and we compare them to a study done in Bodybuilding Magazine 1987, we can see that what's going – what could happen. Like you could probably write a – you could probably – publish a paper on it, Nicola, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if, you know, you have a background, you have an academic background, you, you, you are an expert in SU, you, you, you could probably get it published on your site with your ability. You just merge all those things together, man. I, I can't wait definitely. to read it, man. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I will definitely do it. <laughs> <laughs> this just motivates me even further. Yeah. yeah. I, I need to see if there is, there's, if there have been done some exper um, experiments and, Clinics, cl clinical trials, or research about combining these substances together. Yeah, that's that's my first um, first go-to. When I start researching, I go to Google Academic and start seeing just papers and quality work that is facts. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, I reach out to a few of those doctors that you find in one of those reports. Reach out to them, and then you're off yeah. to the races, man. Definitely, definitely. That's how it's, it must be done if it should be yeah. done properly, especially for this model things like Agreed. combining SARMs with, with psychedelics. Yeah, there's there's some interesting um, PharmDs out there, some some people that went to pharma, uh, pharmacy school and um, uh, God, uh, Dr. Ben, I can't think of his name, but I, I, I bet you he... It, Dang it, I'm a bad with names too. Dr. Ben, if you're out there, I love you, man. Shout out to him. He's a PharmD guy, but he does study the ideas of, uh, you know, using entheogens and psychedelics with different types or at least investigates what may happen when we start introducing different hormones, 
different SARMs and stuff yeah. like that too. But it's cutting edge. You'd be the first person to do it, and I think you'd publish it in. I, so you know what? I, I I'm coming up on an on on our hour here, Nicola, and I know you probably have some things to do, but I gotta tell you, this conversation is beautiful. I really enjoyed talking to you. I love getting to see people not only from different parts of the world, but what what I really admire and what really drew me to want to talk to you is this ability that you decided to strike out on your own and you're creating your own new brand. And I think in doing that, you're inspiring younger versions of us. Like you're, you're helping build the next version of people be better by becoming the best version of yourself. And I want to highlight that, man. I'm, I'm so yeah. thankful that you did it and you found the courage to do it. And I, it's contagious, man. And I, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. You have tons of great stuff out there. Everybody should be checking you out. They should be reaching out to you. If you have, if you're in the psychedelic community, you need a writer, you need some SEO, you need something done for your blog, something website related. This is the guy you should be talking to. He knows this stuff. He's passionate about it. And he, he will work with you to create the best possible solutions for whatever you're looking for. So Nicola, before I let you go, man, what do you have coming up and where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or on my website, mushroomwriting.com. Um, for my future projects, combining SARMs with psychedelics is definitely what I'm going to do. So this, this is the next big project I'm doing. Definitely, I'm going to stop the things I'm doing right now and focus <laughs> on it. You're right, so my... inspiring. You're so inspiring. I love talking to you. This was really, really profound and awesome conversation we had like i said man i it's it's the same for me i i wouldn't i would have never i wouldn't have had this conversation i would have had any thoughts unless you and i were sitting down unless i had read your story and unless we had the exact conversation we did so it, it's it's our conversation man the inspiration comes from both of us working yeah. together you know what i mean and look I, I who knows what it'll foster you know who knows what our words today may reach a a kid 15 years from now, like if it reaches one person, man, that's a home run yeah. for us. You know, it's a home yeah. run, man. So shout out to the power of psychedelics. Well, hang on for one second, Nicola. I want to talk to you, but I'm going to shut it down with the audience. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I had a great time. I hope that you all got to enjoy as much as we did. Reach out to me, reach out to Nicola, and we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Aloha. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.